Hello, and welcome to the Self-Sufficient Hub podcast. I'm Carl from selfsufficienthub.com, and I'm here to talk about all things self-sufficiency, all things homesteading, and about how we can reduce the gap between our consumption and our production. Sustainability and food security matters. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 295 of the Self-Sufficient Hub podcast. I hope you're all safe and well. Today we are going to be talking about buying meat or not buying meat where you might sit and talking about all the different pros and cons, reasons why you might choose to stop buying meat, how you might go about it and just a deep dive into the thought process. My wife and I had a really deep long conversation yesterday about the future of our meat purchasing in our house and we are definitely moving ever closer to not buying meat. We're doing that in two different ways. We're doing that not only by raising our own meat but we're also doing it by reducing the meat we eat and making a conscious decision that you know perhaps we're, we're very very close to crossing the line beyond which we will say we don't buy any meat. We're going to talk all about why we might do that, why you might do that, why you might choose not to do that, and how you can facilitate it, and all the different things that go into that thought process today, and all the different things that went into ours anyway. Uh, Before we get there, a little bit of housekeeping today. First of all, This week's Friday giveaway for patrons is going to be a chance to win a copy of the RHS Grow Fruit and Veg Guide. It's a great book. It is, let me have a look, it's quite a long book. It's nearly 550 pages long and in there you've got a dedicated section on pretty much everything you could possibly think about growing. You've got your soft fruits, your hard fruits, you've got all the different vegetables. Each has their own section and each section contains like all sorts of different varieties. You've got several different potato varieties. It tells you how to best grow each one, the pros and cons of each variety. And it's just a, it's a cracking little book. It's one that I referenced a great deal when I was first starting out, choosing between my varieties, first learning how to grow fruit and veg. But it's not one that I currently reference anymore. And as a result, it's not going to have a space on my new condensed library bookshelf when we move house. So we're going to be giving that away to a patron on Friday and if you'd like to be included in that draw all you need to do is become a patron at patreon.com forward slash self-sufficient hub there's a link in the show notes next little bit of housekeeping I just want to give a bit of a preface to Wednesday's interview recording which is coming out I will give a further preface on Wednesday but I just want to say it's a really interesting conversation about the future of sustainability and whether or not our current global economic and political systems are able to make the necessary changes. It's a really insightful conversation. Uh, well, I'd say it's a cross between a conversation and a debate. Uh, myself and Jeff Dan, who I'm interviewing, don't necessarily agree on everything, but I thought it was a conversation that deserved some air. And that's why I reached out to him and suggested that we might have it. And also I want to mention that this is obviously today a break from our Monday series series. So we're just doing a one-off today talking about not buying meat. We're going to return to our Monday series next week. I think there's a few things I really want to get in. So 
just having the one episode a week on Fridays with that freedom, it hasn't allowed me to speak about some of the topics that I want to speak about. So we may or may not return to a Monday series next week, or I may do another ad hoc one-off podcast. But the next series we're going to do is going to be a Back to Basics series because it's been brought to my attention from more than one listener that on some podcatchers, on some podcast apps, depending on which one you use, you might only have the availability of the last 100 episodes or so. And it might have been quite some time since I just spoke generally about chickens or some of the more basic, not basic, but the more fundamental, foundational aspects of homesteading. So we're going to do a Back to Basics series on Mondays talking about things like what vegetables should you grow? How should you set out your vegetable garden? Things like that. And, uh, you know, should you get chickens? You all know my answer. Yes, you should. (laughs) But we might talk about that in a bit more depth on one of those episodes. Anyway, that's all the housekeeping for today. So without further ado, let's start talking about not buying meat and my wife and I yesterday had the opportunity to go out and we weren't doing anything particularly exciting I think we were just collecting fruit and veg bins from the fruit and veg shop (laughs) but it gave us the opportunity without the kids to just spend a few minutes together in the car and we had some really nice conversations around sustainability and the idea of not buying meat now obviously it's really in the zeitgeist at the moment this idea of being vegan going meat free etc etc and we all have heard countless times the advantages of it for the environment most of which are legitimate some may be a bit spurious depending on where you're getting your evidence from but I think, generally speaking, the idea that veganism contributes less greenhouse gases than a omnivore diet, I think, is a fairly sound one. And there's some other aspects that might go into your decision as well. And certainly for me, there are. So the first thing to say is to really think about what the what your why is if you're considering going meat free and for me I'm considering going well we as a family are very strongly considering going meat free in our shopping in our supermarket shop not on our plates not on our table we're going to continue raising our own animals but we're very very close to deciding that we're no longer going to subsidize that meat production with purchased meat and there's all sorts of options out there if you want to go that way but before we get into that I want to talk about the why and There's lots of different reasons why you might consider doing it. One might be health considerations. They might be to do with, you know, knowing what goes into your food, what goes into the animals before they reach you. Another consideration, and this I have to say is top of the list for me, my considerations, is animal welfare. And of course, we're all aware that Depending on where you live in the world, there will be different rules and regulations governing what can and can't be done for animals basically farmed in a factory type setting and whether or not that's something you are comfortable with, want to contribute to. And I think as a listener to this podcast, you're probably in the top 1% of people who are aware of this kind of issue. And that way, that may well in in sort of infer onto your decision process a higher weight of uh, what's the word sort of I think it's difficult because everybody who eats meat is in somewhere everybody that buys meat is equally culpable in the 
process upstream of them or downstream of them, depending on how you want to look at it. The the process of animals being kept and how they're kept, we're all responsible for it. But I think people who listen to this podcast are probably more aware of it. And that doesn't make us any more culpable, but it certainly puts us in a position to make better decisions, I think. I suppose that's what I'm trying to say. Another reason why you might consider not buying meat would be for sustainability and of course this ties in to so many other aspects of what we do and again you know we we hear all the time about how cattle are responsible for huge amounts of methane gas being released and not only that but the the nature in which some animals are farmed depending again on where you live in the world everywhere has different practices and i think it's our responsibility to kind of get to grips with what those practices are and learn what they mean and another why for you could just be the idea of control and security being in control of your own food security and not being reliant on a food chain that's going to be subject to the whims of the markets and whims of global pandemics and things like that. So these are all very good reasons, I think, to consider not buying meat. And after that, you really need to understand the story behind it, I suppose, understand the story behind that why. So if your why is inclusive of health benefits and the health considerations and you don't want to eat animals that have been injected with I don't know antibiotics say then I think it's your responsibility and it's our responsibility as consumers to really understand the system and how the system works and you know is that really a concern that you should have or not and and I'm not going to go into the depths of this I'm not an expert on it but you know I think if that was my main concern. It's certainly something I would want to be spending some time researching in a bit more depth. And the same applies for things like organic gardening, organic meat. If you want to only eat organic meat, for example, really learn the difference between what that means. Because I know that there are some food production places in the world. There was a great podcast on the Science Versus podcast, all about organic farming. Uh, I urge you all to go and check that out. Just look for the science versus podcast and check out the uh, the one on organic farming you might have to do a bit of searching but they were talking to an organic farmer and he's got two fields and i think it was strawberries i can't really remember it was a little while ago i listened to it but basically he grew them both exactly the same way and one of them went to the organic market and one of them didn't so it's definitely something that you should do a little bit of research on the second one animal welfare and again this is one where we really should try and understand the story behind it because Wherever you live, there will be different regulations governing the factory farming mechanisms that can and can't be used. And certainly here in the UK, I know for a fact that I really, really don't. I so What I'm going to get at at the end of the day is I don't want to eat an animal that was raised in a way that I wouldn't be happy to raise it in my own garden that's what it comes down to for me it might be different for you but that's what it comes down to for me and I think here in the UK not necessarily everywhere but for the most part things like beef I think beef cattle are generally raised in a similar way than I would rate that I would raise them in my garden there's not a lot of animal welfare issues there in the UK now that's not the case elsewhere in the world and it's not the case everywhere in the UK and you want to look out for things like the red tractor symbol and there are all sorts of other symbols and packaging that can tell you that 
the farming has been done in an ethical way. It's, it's really, but here's what, what I'm getting at. It's worth doing your own research on that and finding out what works for you. And it's going to vary dramatically depending on where you live in the world, because wherever you live, that's going to be determined or that's going to determine the legislation that the farmers must abide by. And ultimately that, that in turn is going to affect the animal welfare across the board in different ways. And that's not to say that even if you live somewhere that doesn't have particularly high standards, that there isn't high standard meat available. So it might mean that you're paying a little bit more for it. It might mean that you need to source it from someone who's growing their own very, very locally and you can get to know them and get to know their animal husbandry practices. But I want to speak a little bit more on that later, actually. I've got something really quite pertinent on that point. Uh, The next thing, sustainability and understanding the story behind that. It was very interesting when I did a little bit of research for this episode to find that some things, some, and I'm not necessarily talking about your regular fruit and veg, but I'm talking about specifically meat substitutes. When you buy meat-free products that are basically meat substitutes, and it's not across the board, but there are a few that perhaps aren't necessarily more sustainable and can in fact be less sustainable than some of the others. The carbon footprint of some of the meat substitutes can actually be quite shocking compared to their meat counterparts. Now, this isn't the story across the board. It's very much on selected things, but it's well worth doing your research because If that's the purpose for your switch, then you certainly don't want to be having the opposite effect. And the final thing is, you know, having control over where your food comes from and control over your own food security. And for this, you know, the answer is really raising your own. Now, you'll all know that we raise our own meat here. We raise a small amount of goat meat, a large amount of pork and a reasonable amount of chicken. I would say that we've just started meeting our chicken requirements for our house now and we certainly won't need to buy any chicken for a very long time and I would also suspect that we would have replacement birds ready to process before that came about and the same applies for pork even though we don't have pigs at the moment we've got well over 12 months of pork in our freezer and I'd like to think that we'll have something in place by the time we get low and uh, we'd be able to be sourcing our own but If we can't, and this really is the crux of it, if we can't, if we, for whatever reason, are not in a position to raise pigs at this point next year, then we are on the cusp of making the decision to not buy any. And the reason we're doing that predominantly for me is for animal husbandry reasons. And the secondary reason for me is sustainability. For my wife, the main driver is actually health and knowing what's going into the animal uh, coupled with animal husbandry and sustainability. And of course, we also really, really like the control and being in control of our food security as well. So it's all of them for us. But they're, lot, they're, they're, they're not necessarily the same for everybody. And I think understanding the story behind those elements is going to go a long way towards informing our decisions. And once we've made the decision that we're not going to buy any meat, then we've got the interesting decision of, of raising your own versus reducing what you eat. And for us, like I say, we're already raising our own and we'll continue to do so. We've got a plan next year to maybe buy some orphaned lambs in the spring because my brother-in-law can look after them for us. He's quite happy to do that on his property if we don't have any space and we can raise up some lamb. 
the only downside with that for our family is I'm the only one in our family that really loves eating lamb, I have to say. The rest of my family aren't as big a fan as me, although I'm, I'm working on that. I am working on that. Um, and of course, if you don't have the space, that can be a challenge. But I've done episodes on raising meat in smaller spaces. We've spoken about rabbits and quails. So there are options there. And obviously, wild meat, wild game is another option available to us, which doesn't have to compromise our animal welfare issues at all. And I think these are all parts of the puzzle. And they're certainly parts of the puzzle for us. And then the other side of it is reducing what you eat. And this brings us back into the kitchen because I think so much of what we do as homesteaders, the the germ of it, the the seed of it is in the kitchen and it comes to comes down to what we want to eat, how we want to eat and our involvement in our own food. And if we're not doing our own cooking, if we're not cooking from scratch, then it's really difficult to get that involvement that kind of drives everything else so I think so much of what we talk about and what we do starts in the kitchen and the more you do in the kitchen the more you cook from scratch the more competent you become the easier you find it to substitute products and meat might be one of the harder ones for us to substitute in a lot of cases because we're used to having it as one of the main elements on the plate that kind of doesn't necessarily need a great deal of thought when it comes to the composition of a dish you know if you're having something like uh, vegetables with uh, potatoes and meat there you go those are your three elements and you get to generally we would play around with how we would serve the potatoes how we would prepare the potatoes we would play around with the different variations on the vegetables and then the meat it would really be a case of just which meat are we going to use we might add some flavorings to it and cook it slightly differently but when we're substituting that we're generally substituting it for a different kind of meat whereas the vegetables we might substitute for salad or different you know an entirely different type of vegetable the potatoes we might substitute for rice or pasta generally speaking that meat element is often a part of the dish and when we become more comfortable with cooking and what we're able to do we can start thinking about ways around that and depending on the dish you might think that uh, you know we can use chickpeas for example as a substitute or we can use nuts or we can use mushrooms or depending on the dish you might be able to just substitute it for something like asparagus and then changing the types of meals that we're eating so rather than going for those meat and two veg type dinners by making things out of pastries for example that gives us another opportunity to create dishes that are meat free that don't necessarily jar with our expectations you know and a asparagus and mushroom tart can be an absolute delight or you know, goat's cheese and spinach tart or using pasta instead of that meat and veg means we can maybe go with a more veg based meal. But if we want that meatiness, we also these days have lots of meat free meat available in the supermarket. And I have to say my wife and I are really quite impressed with the state of that technology at the moment because that's what we've been doing over the last few weeks we've been sampling those things we bought meat-free chicken burgers I bought my first meat-free burger from McDonald's yesterday uh, just to try it um, it's not the same and it's not my favorite but it's a lot better than I was expecting and 
these alternatives are out there and it's well worth, like I say, for, from our point of view, sampling them. We've been using meat-free bacon that we've purchased, all just to try these things out with a view to having this conversation with one another. So for us, I think, you know, we're on the precipice of making the jump and we will be pushing the button on that decision very, very soon. I don't know what's putting us off at the moment. Well, saying that, I mean, we basically have stopped. We just haven't said it out loud that that's what we're doing. The next thing is really thinking about animal welfare and learn what is important and what's what's your driver if animal welfare is part of that decision process as it is for us. And again, like I say, I don't want to be eating meat that was raised in a way that I wouldn't be happy to raise it myself in the back garden. And then you really need to do a little bit of research and learn which types of animals are going to make the difference in your area. So for us, you know, we're definitely now, we're no longer going to be buying supermarket chickens or chicken from the supermarket. That's a decision that we've made. And that's based on the animal welfare of broiler chickens. And if we were to buy a chicken, we would buy it locally from someone who raises them for meat that we can see the birds free ranging, see how happy they are and then proceed. But that brings us on to a very, very interesting dichotomy. And that was my wife and I recently attended a Christmas dinner and it was a Christmas dinner where the turkey was purchased very locally from a friend of a friend who raises maybe 20 birds and sells them at Christmas. And in the run-up to picking up the bird, my, or I'm not going to say who it is because it wouldn't be fair, but the person who purchased it spoke to them and uh, the person who'd raised the birds basically said, look, we're not sure um, if we're going to be able to sell them. They've been very ill. We've had to administer some medicine to them which has a withholding period and you know we're just hoping that they get better etc etc well the the condensed version of this story if you've got animals and they are in some way involved in meat production take my goats for example whenever you administer any medicine there's something called a withholding period so when we give them any kind of injection there's a certain period where we must withhold the produce in our case milk for human consumption for a number of days and that's going to depend on the medicine now of course when it comes to our goats we're fully in charge of that whole process we know what we're administering we know what the effects are and we know what the withhold period is and we get to choose if we want to make that period shorter or longer and you know based on the information available to us well In this case, we're talking about someone who was raising very, very happy, healthy birds who happened to get ill. But when it comes to eating the meat, the breast meat was riddled with little black dots, which upon some research I found out were almost certainly the remnants or the legacy of a bacterial infection. And... I put my wife off a little bit the idea that just by buying your meat in this way that you're necessarily protected from all of these things because you don't know how unless you know the person you know we only got told or we got told third hand but my the the hosts were only told because they were friends that this was even the case and otherwise you just wouldn't know so What this raised for us is the idea that if you are buying meat on a really small scale, then you need to be aware that you're foregoing some of the checks and balances that are in the larger systems of food production. 
Now, I'm, I'm certainly not trying to scaremonger, and I absolutely believe the food was safe to eat, but my wife said if she'd known in advance, she probably wouldn't have wanted it. And it's just another piece of the puzzle. And I think if you are inclined to steer away from meat based on animal welfare issues, I think there's another side to this conversation which has to come in here. And I think that... I think it's our responsibility to lobby our MPs and to try and make the changes and make our voices heard at a higher level to raise the standards of meat production. If you live somewhere where the animals where you live in your area are not raised to a standard that you would be happy to see them raised in your garden, then really shout from the rooftops about that, share that information and ask others to do the same and then possibly approach the people who make the legislation in your area and let them know of your discomfort with that operation. And I think it's in everyone's best interest to try and raise the animal welfare standards because it's only by doing that that we get to affect much more or a greater number of animals than the number that we actually consume. And I think that we have a responsibility to do that. So that's certainly what we're going to be looking at is as a family, we're going to be spending some time really getting to grips with the legislation, what is permissible, what's not permissible, what's permissible on a small scale that's not on a large scale and vice versa. And I'll bring you all that information when I'm more versed in it but it's certainly something worth considering and that's all this episode is about really i'm just trying to it's a stream of consciousness and we're talking about all the things that are worth thinking about for us all to go away and think about a bit more i don't have the answers here that's not what i'm trying trying to do so again when it comes to your area you're going to want to look at the different animals as well you know we know i've mentioned chickens is one that we don't want to be part of we don't want to be part of the broiler industry pigs is another one pigs that are raised for certainly for the the cheaper cuts of pork that you can buy in the supermarket they're not raised in a way i would want to raise them myself the space that they have is far less than i would like to see and again that's not an economy that i want to participate in and if I was going to buy meat but again I'm talking about my personal situation my personal ethics and also the personal situation geographically that I find myself in I think that if we were going to buy meat I think beef is the only meat that I could sort of buy with a clear conscience I think and that's because of the standards that most of the beef is raised here but I could be wrong you know I'm still at the start of this road and we're going to be learning a lot more about it as a family over the coming days weeks and months and as I do I will share that with you so I do stand to be corrected get in touch and let me know if I've got anything wrong I'm definitely very happy to hear it but uh, that's kind of where I am at the moment that's my thought process and hopefully it's given you something to think about for yourself something to look into and I think if as a community we're all doing that research and we're all nudging things in the direction we'd like to see it go then only good things can come of that that's where I am at the moment anyway so there you go that's today's episode and I will be back on Wednesday and again on Friday speak to you very soon cheers this episode of the self-sufficient hub podcast was brought to you by our patrons you guys are awesome 
If you'd like to support the show, there's lots of ways you can do it. The easiest of which is just to like and review it wherever you get our podcast. You can also tell somebody about it, whether that's on social media or just face to face with a friend who you think might benefit from it. But however you support our podcast, we really, really appreciate it. If you'd like to become a patron, please consider doing so by going to patreon.com forward slash self-sufficient hub. However you support the podcast, it's listeners like you that make all of this possible. Thank you ever so much for listening, and I'll speak to you really soon.